For now, the solo show goes away as we have a returning guest. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Back again, episode number 224 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. Kind of, I guess, kind of co-host this week. I mean, fairly regular guest at this point. Hopefully, we'll continue to be regular guest in Ryan. So, hi, Ryan. The recurring question of what am I? You know, there's a lot of directions to take that kind of a question. There's a lot of directions. I would invite everybody to keep their answers to themselves because I, at this point, am pretty much maxed out on the amount of the answer to that question I can get. Um, but, man, glad to be back. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you back. And the thing is, we're having you on so often now that we've managed to get the pre-show discussion time down from about an hour and a half down to just like 15 or so minutes of mostly technical issues. Of mostly technical issues. Yeah, it was pretty impressive work by us this time. I don't get a free podcast out of this. I know. See, but you didn't do anything with the last one. So that's that's the reason why for that. All contraire, my friend. I Once I knew that I'd be coming on and once we had talked about this week, I held on to see if I would be on this weekend. And then now I'm going to say right now, hey, uh, after this, go over to Indie Ball Nation and check out the uh, cutting room floor edition of about 40 minutes worth of stuff that was cut from the last time I was on. Uh, it is... Mostly unrelated garbage, and you might regret your time. So I highly suggest going and listening. <laughs> See, now that's just a beautiful plug right there. That's the kind of plugs that I aspire to, really. And honestly, I don't think it's garbage. I think it is probably the best 40 minutes of that whole episode. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I gave it to you, because it is the prime cuts. That's grade A meat of this show. <laughs> Bro, I was like completely surprised. When I listened back to it because I was like, I for, kind of forget like what I said because like that was all kind of like off the top of the head stuff. So it didn't really stick with me as like, you know, highly, you know, intensive research stuff. Like the topics really yeah. stuck. And I listened to it. I was like, yeah, we covered some ground, man. We're talking like, uh, what, expansion of leagues, markets that we should be in, Pecos League chaos. That was some good stuff. It was good work, best. I told you it was organized chaos. That's exactly what it was. Indie Ball Incarnate is what it was. It was things that shouldn't work but it worked out and actually it's fairly entertaining to a i guess a sizable number of people relative to the topic we're all just trying to like thread the needle walk the line between far too serious and whatever it is that auburn that albany uh football team is doing <laughs> yeah so you can probably keep with auburn and it still work there but i mean don't talk shit about the antonio brown masterclass that was the albany empire for me, I was like honestly interested. I always keep an eye on whatever's all about in other sports. So like if they do well, I I'm a you know rising tide raises all ships type but guy. So I'm hoping for that. And uh, I was just looking. I was like, man, they're really indie balling this indie ball vibe. And then oops, too independent. Now you're not in the league. See, the problem was that was actually a really well ran team. I think it won like two NAL titles like, so, yeah. prior to it, and then they. And Antonio Brown killed it in about 90 days, which is honestly, in a way, is almost impressive. Dude, it took Andy Shea two years in Lexington. Whoop. <laughs> Already throwing arrows. My God. Don't worry, bro. It'll probably be fine. Or the odds that happens again. Doesn't he still own a part of the Dirty Birds? Uh, he owns, I think, all of it. Yeah. Oh. All so that would be a portion of it. A lot of people uh, bailed out. But hey, that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> 
but is Chuck Domino still there? He's not. Okay, because we're going to see in just a second a Chuck Domino playbook move, a bread oh, and butter man. staple in just a second here, because we got to get into the news before we can get into the meat of independent discussion. And we're going to start in the Frontier League before we get the Chuck Domino stuff, because... It really is only kind of a quasi thing, and it's really just playing off a tweet you had. So I'm going to stop stealing your stuff and instead talk about the Frontier League Hall of Fame class of 2023. Might as well. So one thing that's important to note about the Frontier League and their Hall of Fame requirements is that two players from each era, in case you're wondering what the eras are, 93 to 99, 2000 to 2010, and 2011 to 2020 are allowed in. And a player or person that was involved in an exceptional moment or was a key contributor to the league's growth is also admitted to the Hall of Fame. Now, why you wouldn't just put the moment in the Hall of Fame and do some sort of ceremony for all the persons involved in said moment at, say, the All-Star Game, I don't quite know. They do. So, good for them for doing it that way. It's a moment. Sorry, that I followed this completely. The only thing I had disagreements with was the fact that they're like the three eras when they could have just said decades, but that's okay. Um, I wait. So like, you say a moment? Yes. So yeah, like, was, what I'm saying is like like we'll use a major league baseball moment for example. Say uh, like uh, instead of putting Mookie Wilson in the Hall of Fame for the ball that goes through Buckner's legs, or I guess putting hey, could you put Buckner in the Hall for that moment? I don't, I don't think he'd love him. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. Instead of putting either party involved in the play in the Hall of Fame, you would just put the play itself in the Hall of Fame. So you would honor the play. I guess so. I'd get going the direction they did, though. I mean, like, I kind of do, but I just feel like you're going to have, like, like, somebody that doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame get put in there for that because they had one moment where they were like, yeah, we're a guy, right? Well, what was the example from this class on that one? Uh, that would be John Kate, which I guess we'll start with John Kate here. Yeah. Uh, he is in as kind of the contributor to league growth, a.k.a. a builder, if you would. Uh, he was the, it says in the release, the architect of the uh, 90s and 2000s Richmond Roosters teams that won titles in 01 and 02. I take that to mean he was the general manager of it. I don't think mm -hmm. he owned the team. I tried to look this up. I couldn't really make heads or tails of what I was finding. He's still involved in Richmond. I think it was Indiana or Illinois uh, baseball. Uh, honestly, again, I... I should have wrote down if it was Indiana or Illinois, but it's flyover country. It's all the same. So it didn't really seem like it was a necessary thing to write down. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, that is the builder from this year's class. It is John Kate. I believe he's still involved in Indiana baseball. Oh, it's uh, Indiana. Okay, because there's a noticeable difference between the two. Out. That is some bold uh, middle of the country uh, smack talk from somebody who covers leagues that include the American Association. What are they going to do? Throw corn at me? <laughs> they're going to start listening to another podcast like Indie Ball Nation, which posts episodes occasionally, mostly when you have too much stuff to post that you sent to me. Ah, okay. So the show that posts something every 12 weeks? That's actually not a bad pace. <laughs> Go ahead. You just do like your <laughs> quarterly reviews. That's what you do. You start in I mean, January, you start, go to April, then like mid-season, then end of year. 
what I just start putting out podcasts like Dan Carlin, just nothing for six months and then five hours on something crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that may be the play for you. Honestly, yeah, it feels like me. We'll see where things go. Plus, you could go ahead and market as a premium show. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. That's you can do a uh, like a Patreon where you pay to get the episodes. Everyone else can just enjoy my terrible Twitter account. <laughs> Is it terrible if it gets responses? If it gets engagement? If it gets the clicks that you need? I'm always shocked what people respond to because none of it's good, but sometimes it catches. Yeah, who knows? Sometimes it uh, implodes on itself. Right. That's why you need right. an AdCats controller. Any case, but let's talk about <laughs> CJ Beatty. God. <sighs> At some point, we're going to get into submarine talk, and we're not talking about the pitch to throw underhand, but uh, CJ Beatty is from... Uh, he, he played for the Washington Wildings from 2013 to 2014. Two-time postseason All-Star. He hit 38 home runs, which isn't really that many in 216 games, but 221 hits in those 216 games. It's a decent amount, so I suppose yep. that's why he's here. Sure. So there's that. Uh, I don't. I just don't have the time thoughts because, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, put him in, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's also one of those things where, like, I've always been weird out with the Frontier League, like Hall of Fame stuff, because, like, I don't know, there's like multiple corners of league history and things like that. And numbers can be different things, but like, yeah, he's obviously a solid hitter. I mean, 20, 221 hits in two hundred sixteen games. I don't lie. Exactly. So I mean, and he's now of course he's no Darren. Uh, Kinsolving, who played for Chillicoth. I think that's how that's going to be pronounced. Again, I, I don't know. Chillicoth Paints, baby. I love yeah. that. So I love that the find actually it. A that's a great name, actually, when you get down it to is. it. Like, that has just like a baseball feel to it, where it's just random nouns of the team name. We need to go back to that. We don't need mm -hmm. ghost towns. What we mm -hmm. need is just like rail cars. Rail cars. Or bury just rails. <laughs> Frederick Rails. This would fit pretty cleanly, I feel like, into the American Association. I mean, there's already. I mean, Cleveland did get rid of their, uh, their like, uh, what is it? The railroad spike. It has an actual name, but that logo, they got rid of that. Which, by I the like, way, their like railroad spike mascot, his name is Spike. By the way, I one of my takes is I think Cleveland is one of the best. Uh, I don't love Cleveland as an organization. Different conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I think they have one of the best logos out there. That little like that train run around the Panhandle. I think it's super clean looking. I think it's a good vibe. The jerseys seem a little plain to me. I do love how like every Texas team is just like here's Texas and that's the logo. Yeah, okay. And the thing is, it works. So I don't blame them for doing it. But it is a little un unoriginal right. at a certain point. Yeah, fair enough. It was a little pandering. But in any case, yeah. So Darren Kinsolving uh, from the paints there. 2000-2003, uh, a postseason all-star appearance. I don't have anything else written down for him because that one was a struggle to get written down and done. Uh, that's unrelated, though. So he's there. Uh, I suppose we'll go to somebody else that has a little bit more written down here. That's Wes Long, Windy City Thunderbolt, 07-08, 191 games played. Missed only one game uh, across his time in the Frontier League. And uh, he had 240 hits. And he had a fielding percentage of 936, a postseason all-star as well. Damn. I was going to say, I was wondering more about like the slash lines of some of these guys. Because I was looking up uh, or at CJ Beattie. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. The number of hits sound a lot more impressive than it was. That's not to hate on CJ. Do your thing, bro. But like, yeah. I like that. Right. Also, now here's the question. Now, are we... I'm trying to look at West Long, right? The write-up on him. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird because, like, 
for me, like he had five years with Windy City, but only two were Frontier League. Mm. Well, I guess that's right. He went to Winnipeg. In my head, I had W teams. I was like, oh, he wasn't with Winnipeg. But no, it's weird to see where, like, I'd argue maybe his. I don't know. He did kill it. My God, those are some numbers. I'm just like looking at his slash. I'm like, oh God. He played all but one game over those two years. I'm looking at this right. Yeah. Yeah. Get after it. Yeah. So there's there. If you look at some of the other numbers, some of the other ones are impressive, like Keith uh, Hobbig, also a Richmond Rooster, which, again, I feel like that's a solid name. Good alliteration. Good logo, too. Yeah. yeah. Won the batting title in 97. Uh, two-time postseason All-Star, 152 games played, 140 RBIs on base and slugging of 1,067. That seems to be pretty good. Yep. That'll do it. Yep. And then there's also uh, John Ronka. Uh, Springfield player. I did not write down. I think Springfield Capitals, if I remember right. 97 to 98 postseason all-star. 153 on the games. 209 on the hits. 1,005 OPS. I'm I'm just looking through. Like, catching up with you a little bit. Like, it's so hard. Again, like, the errors. It's like comparing, like, Atlantic League stats, like, where they've, like, fluctuated so much and exactly what the competition looks like. That and also, you make a good point with the competition. That's what I was about to say, where it's, there just seems to be, like, when everything first started, to be a higher cut of player in each league. Like, it hadn't established the pecking order yet. Not to say that there's not good players in, like, Frontier and Pioneer now. But, like, if we're being real, it's the American Association and it's the Atlantic League that got the, you know, kind of quadruple A talent. Right? So, like, before, it feels like, Oh, you just get guys that rightfully could be playing overseas in the Atlantic League. And then Frontier League, you get guys who are more like, you know, American Association type guys today. Yeah. And something I'm working on is like full ERA plus and OPS plus for all the leagues. So they have it for Atlantic League because I was covering it for a couple, like years, three years there where you know, I was just entirely focused on that. It takes a lot more to get the rest of these leagues together. But I'm working on it because it is the line is so fine too, where it's like, okay. You know, you're still looking at, I mean, a lot of the time, roughly the same number of former major leaguers and their talent levels about where it was. And it's like a mix of old guys in their career and young guys who just didn't stick. And then you got like up and comers. But, you know, really, there's certain like seasons where the difference between one season or one league and another is like one or two like scrub relievers on each roster. Which doesn't sound like much. We're talking twenty-five man roster. We're talking mm. two back, like f- not back end, like low leverage relievers that are just the biggest, most glaring differences. So you're like, okay, it's not that big a difference. But then when you remember, that's like one or one at bat every game or two where you're facing against a guy who just is not ready to go, like who is not up to par. You're like, oh man, like that kind of throws the whole environment off. Like that's more runs on the era that's more runs in and like points on the ops like it, it throws so much stuff off it's really really difficult to compare the era so it's if you see me in my brain if you could see me over here it's just like spinning anytime i start getting into like the different eras of the different indie leagues and what does this mean <laughs> so it's like uh, the zach galifianakis zach galifianakis gif with all the numbers and stuff going past the head literally too stupid to insult yeah that's about it oh terrible you know who isn't too stupid to insult? Steve yeah. Marino. There you go. I <laughs> see about that. Yeah. See, every once in a while, I'm able to get it back on the rails, right? Yeah. Now, now, now again. Exactly. See, you know, 
but eh, Steve Marino, Evansville, Southern Illinois guy, 2012-2016, coach for a little while too with the Miners, uh, 431 games played, 418 hits, 44 home runs, a postseason all-star. Yeah. I mean, I'm, again, issue with the eras. I'm like, I'm no, nope, not going to do it. I, I don't want to be like, I don't know enough about mid-2000s Premier League still at this point. I'm still learning, as I said, going back through all the eras and getting a feel for everything. I don't know enough to say anything negative. So I'm going to go, yep, sounds about right. That's a lot of bombs. <laughs> you know what's going to be fun? When we go from Eris Talk with the Frontier League, which congrats all of them for getting in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Press release has all the dates for when they're going to be inducted in by the teams that still exist. They get induction ceremonies. Check that out if you're interested in any of that. But you know it's more fun than Frontier League Eris Talk? What could possibly be more fun? Well, a Taylor Swift Eras concert, but that's not what we have tickets to right now. What we do have is Atlantic League Eras talk. Okay, hit me. What are you thinking? I'm thinking about the Ducks setting the Atlantic League wins record. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. Yeah. 1,581 wins. Got that 1,581st win against the York Revolution on Monday. They passed Somerset for first all time. They are behind the Patriots by one postseason win from the most postseason wins all time. Really, when I saw the graphic, the only thing I was like was, oh, the Bluefish are here. Good for them. Right? They, they racked up more than people remember. They were nasty back in the day. I know. Really, in the 90s and early aughts, they were killing it. Like, they were a powerhouse team yep. until they started losing money. And honestly, they probably could have survived if they wouldn't have been thrown out of their ballpark. Yeah, I... I think about it a lot. It, what could have been, it would have been nice to have that stretch back up toward New England too, for, like league perspective. Oh yeah. Geographically it would have been perfect. I mean, we spent the last show talking about like geography and how everything lays out. You really need that one other team in the North to really kind of make everything make sense. Yeah. Agreed. Cause right now, Stan Island, and Long Island are just kind of like out there. You need that one team in like Connecticut, New York, like more suburban New York or New Jersey in there to just kind of make it all nice and even at the very least, you need something in like South Jersey to try and make things more whole. Cause right now it just seems so awkward, especially you figure they're going to either lose a team or they're going to have to gain another team to level out Hagerstown. And as it stands right now, the way the divisional sap is, it's just going to be really awkward and weird. Yeah. Um, I got thoughts. I don't know how much you want to get into it. I know. Um, Go to the weeds. Well, first thing I'll say is Bridgeport, man, seven straight seasons over 500, more than six games over 500 to start their first seven years in the Atlantic League. (laughs) Then wheels fell off for one year. But also um, Tommy John managed them for two and a half seasons. Um, I know, right? I Um, I feel like I should know this because I did a whole post, a whole article on bluefish history at one point. It's weird the stuff that fades in and out, though. Yeah. Uh, other than the one game that Pete Rose also was the manager. Um, but uh, it, it is. It's funny how the wheels did fall off at the end. Like, again, so they had that below 500 season. They're back above, below, below, below. Above looked good. 83 and 57, 68 and 59. And then it just, starting 2012, it was five games under, 31 games under, almost 50. It was like 40, 46 games under 500. 
17, 20, uh, 27 games under 500. Eight, and then they had a big season, 2017, 76 and 64. Shout out to Luis Rodriguez for turning that around. Yeah. But, um, man, yeah, that's just. And they missed really, the postseason that last year that they were there. I remember that because the half season screwed them over. Yeah. Yeah, man, that sucks. The, um, anyway, but, okay, so if we're talking expansion, you know, I've been super interested in it. I did a whole video on it a few months back. Well, probably last fall now, but um, I think – I mean, something's got to something's got to give because Frederick is obviously in. They're not even pretending anymore because you don't announce a rebrand in mid-season for a team that's only one season. So they're obviously sticking around. Um, Counterpoint, unlike mm-hmm. Counterclock, would yeah. be that that would be the most Atlantic-like thing possible. Wait six months to announce branding that you're only going to use for an additional three months. I would say. That isn't the most Atlantic League thing ever that could possibly happen here. The most Atlantic League thing ever is having a whole deal worked out where a team is that confident that they're announcing a brand like that, and then the Atlantic League, like, kind of screws them, <laughs> and then they don't keep it next year. They never process the contract, and it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, or they're like, oh yeah, that's the plan, it's the plan, it's the plan, and it you know falls through. And uh, then three weeks later, we go, welcome to the Frontier League, <laughs> right? Well. So there's that. I mean, it, it makes sense with the Hagerstown Frederick joining in. Nice to have them near Southern Maryland. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, again, it's got to be either Frederick or Charleston that, or not Frederick, sorry, Lexington or Charleston that drop. I think it's just too hard to add a team. It's so difficult. They've been thinking about how hard it was to find Hagerstown, which needed all this work. That was like three years ago. They started announcing that, I feel like. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's been so difficult to find a new market or even an existing market they can switch in. So unless they have some plans for the draft league team, which who knows, maybe they do, you know, Frederick's connected to the draft league team. So, mm. um, you know, maybe, but I just see it as so much more likely that they drop a team. The only thing I would say to that is what number of teams are we currently at when we add Hagerstown in? Would it be 13? 11. 11. Okay. So 11 mm-hmm. is an awkward number because I was going to say odd numbers aren't necessarily a problem if you can divide them by, say, three. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because, I mean, the other thing, well, again, it's such a bad footprint that because uh, I was like, you could even do a north, south, and like west division if you wanted to go about it that way, adding a team out in the Lexington, Charleston area. But that's just three teams instead because it would be nice if you could do three divisions of four. But Yeah, because um, that was like, my thought process. Exactly, yeah. it was that. Because if you go three divisions, like you said, three of four would be good, three of five would be fine. Obviously, then we're really getting to you know, a big footprint at that point, which yeah. honestly, maybe that's something over in the Frontier League we start to look at. We go by three by five if uh, we can't figure out this Empire State thing. But in any case, and then you can just alter the playoff to be more of the division winner each of each of the three divisions get in, and then one wild card. Done. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm so nervous about any expansion for any league right now. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it, well, it can sound good, you know, in yeah. practice, all other thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm really trying to like rack my brain on like the draft because I've talked before about the Appalachian League teams. There's a couple of good Appy teams that like have indicated that they could use a trip out. Oh damn, Montreal Marshall got released by High Point. That sucks. 
You know, Montreal is having a tough year, but he had 250 last year for Lexington. He is genuinely one of the nicest people you're meeting in baseball, but neither here nor there. Um, back to the topic. I mean, yeah, there were some teams, though, in the Appalachian League that I really felt optimistic about when it comes to, like, their potential for expanding to indie ball. But I think with those teams, man, like, a couple of years of, like, Appalachian League-level revenue uh, plus the, you know, whatever they've been getting from MLB, which has to be something, I'd like to think. But... Um, I look at it and I just think, you know, I don't know if they have the finances. I feel like if they had the finances to do a big indie ball move, they might have done it already. Yeah. And I can't imagine it's gotten any better realistically. I mean, obviously middle of pandemic is going to be the worst you're going to be at. But I mean, you remove that hundred year outlier. I can't imagine that's a great time to go and make a large investment. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm trying to pull the attendance numbers here these days, but yeah, the attendance is questionable in some spots. And I again, can't it's say, can you even trust those numbers? Yeah, no, but um, I mean, it's the same ones every time that like Pulaski used to be like a stronghold. They're down to 6,400, but I don't know what that is per game because I, I can't see their schedule right now. But sorry, that wasn't much of a substantive review there. But I'm just trying to think through like what are the potential options here. Um, yeah, I just it is really a difficult thing to expand a team right now. I, I don't know. Um, I, I do not envy <laughs> the situation there. I haven't figured that one out. Yeah, I'm sorry, circling back. I think Pulaski's looking at like a thousand people per game right now. I mean, it's they were always the one. They have a great ballpark down there. They were always seen as a really good potential option. But, you know, there's so many other moving parts there and financial questions. It's just brutal. But if you look at the Frederick, well, Frederick does have good keys attendance. It's so weird, man. I don't know. It's hard to predict. It is. But speaking of Frederick, they are supposed to announce their name tonight, which now got bumped to tomorrow. <laughs> so I guess tonight is still accurate for people listening when it comes out. And I was really expecting to be able to, you know, discuss the team name because I figured either A, someone would leak it, or B, we would just be talking so long the game would start and then one of us would know what the team name is. Yeah, what do you what are you rooting for between those? Do you have them in front of you? Uh, yeah, I got them. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, choices were Bone Shakers, Ghost Hounds, Rail Frogs, Sawbones, Screaming Alpacas as the finalist there. I feel like Ghost Hounds has the most potential to have, like, yeah. Some really, you know, some cool designs there. Maybe go with like a neon or lime green with like kind of a gunmetal gray and a black in there. I feel like that could be pretty cool. Agreed. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, as I said, like I think three or four out of the five that Hagerstown put out there are good to solid options. I think, I think Frederick, these are really not good. <laughs> and I feel bad. I want to be more hyped about it. But like, I like Screaming Alpacas because it's funny, but I don't think it's a good name. I yeah. think like Screaming Alpacas yeah. is the kind of name where like for a one-off would be perfect. Funny. Yep. And I think also the thing is everyone's going to call me Alpacas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's it. We're not going to say Screaming Alpacas every time. Like, oh, and then after that, they're heading down to Frederick to play the Screaming Alpacas. Like, Maybe you'll say that, but all throughout the broadcast, you're probably going to be calling them the alpacas or just Frederick. Yeah, exactly. See, and the thing is, like, Frederick screaming alpacas does not sound good. Yeah, no ring to it. Exactly. Frederick Sawbones, kind of, but I. this is a rare one where I just hate the origin of it. It's weird. Like, yeah, it's like Civil War, right? 
Civil War doctors hone their craft for moving damaged limbs. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, because they have the Museum of Civil War Medicine there in town. Okay. okay. So first, we're referencing the museum in town, which is referencing the the dude sawing off, you know, limbs. You know, the limbs of like in this national tragedy, like, are arguably the worst thing that's happened in our country ever. I'm like, I don't know that that's where you go, my guy. Yeah, it's just like there's no way that kind of meshes with like. The minor league baseball, a family fun type of thing. Plus, yeah. like, what are they going to wind up like? Because you're going to have a mascot in there. Like, what's the mascot? A, a hacksaw? I would say, you know, maybe they don't have a mascot. Dirty Birds don't have a mascot. I mean, to be fair, the Toastman's like a quasi mascot. Fair enough. Yeah. So, fair like, enough. Yeah. I mean, like, the only one with any sort of alliteration in it. Would be Rail Frog because Frederick Rail Frog's kind of you know kind of vibes and Rail Frogs could work as a team name. I could see it. Yeah, cause uh, like, I could see like I a frog in a conductor's hat or something. It's so weird that everybody's in on like the two name, like or at least like combined name thing. Which there's a, more than we think. Like how many of those that are one word but they capitalize half the word? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, I'm trying to think of some examples, but I think it was like um. There's a couple in just in the Atlantic League where I'm like, um, hold on, where are we here? Um, yeah, there we go. So, like, the Fairy Hawks. One word, capitalized H on Hawks. Yeah. There's, like, a bunch of them. I think the American Association is one too. Like, it's weird. Um, but that is definitely the vibe. I mean, how many teams named, you know, in the last 10 years are, like, if you even, uh, since I'm on the Atlantic League, like, Rockers is, like, the, the rare exception. But it's, like, yeah. dirty Counterclocks, Honey Hunters, Berry Hawks, Blue Crabs. Even Blue Crabs has been around a while, yeah. so um, I'm just roping that in. But um, that does seem to be the thing these days, and I'd like to think there's some sort of research behind it. People like that rhythm or something. Maybe, but I just, like, honestly, at this point, I'm kind of tired of the trend. Like, yeah. even looking at, like, the Hagerstown ones, and we'll get to those in one second. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I like them, but I don't love them. I just, it's like plain and boring as it is i kind of wish we get something a little bit more traditional in there like some of them are going out there a little bit too much for me and honestly man i think keys is a great brand i think that kind of makes it challenging like um charleston had that unique situation when they rebranded because they the charlie's was a really good and like well-liked brand yeah they just want to steer that way from what i understand because it's the whole cigar image it's old school yeah yeah. And just remove the pipe. Yeah. And also, I do think the Dirty Birds, it was a good rebrand. It got hate in the beginning, but I think it was a good vibe. Like, I do think the logo is a little, like, too on the grandiose design thing, but... Nick Jr. cartoon. I, I like, but yeah, but I get they had to, like, make it appeal to kids while also going with a name that, like, spoke to, like, honestly, the darker history of West Virginia and kind of nodded to that. And I think that was all right. I mean... There's arguments to be had about is Charleston necessarily the mining town part of things, but you know, whatever, don't get me started on. Yeah. Well, now we're getting yeah. to West Virginia politics. Yes, exactly right. So, any case, we'll talk about Hagerstown here because that's uh, the second to last piece of news. And uh, it is just that they're going to announce the name. I assume, I believe, in sometime in July, but we have finalists for the name. Uh, there's also a name the team contest on the Herald Mail website uh so you can check that out over there uh uh, name finals are battle swans diesel dogs flying boxcars tin lizards and haymakers 
I agree with three out of the five being good. I want to see if we have the same two that we don't like. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I'll tell you off the bat, my least favorite out of the squad, my number five. Yeah. I'll go about right. I got the diesel dogs in my number five. Agreed. Agreed. I don't like anything about it. And the Z in there really is annoying me. It Dude, feels like we're better. trying to be too radical and extreme. It's a, it's a little league name. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's my kid's t-ball team. Like, that's what it sounds like. Oh, the diesel dogs on the dad's like, oh, cool. Oh, like, yeah, like, diesel dogs, I can see that being, like, a great backyard baseball name. It just tr- Yes, it's just trying so hard. Like, oh, cool, blitzball team name. Yeah. Shout out, boy. Yeah. Second least favorite is? Um, Probably, uh, the, oh, the flying boxcars, for sure. See, I got battle swans in the four spot. Because it just, it feels like they're trying to rip off St. Louis with the Battle Hawks. And. Right. I kind of forgot about that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, that was my first thing. I thought of it like that. And I was like, that just kind of is a weird name. Like, Flying Boxcars does give me, like, some sort of, like, Harry Potter or, uh, like, 80s kids book vibe. Like, you know, kind of Hardy Boys vibe. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm not thrilled about that, but I feel like you can make some sort of cool design or cool logo off of it. Now, of course, the Frederick flying box cars would sound way better than the Hagerstown flying box cars, but you know, apparently we can't have those nice things here. Yeah, that's certainly yeah. fair point. So really, where I'm torn is <coughs> between Hagerstown Haymakers, which just rolls really nice. So I, I kind of like that. Or the Tin Lizards, because I just think it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I think Tin Lizards kind of plays well. I, if I'm honest, I didn't even take the time to like, fully fully listen uh, to like the reasoning on that name. But like I just like, mm, good vibe. Like it, like that checks, that passes the vibe test at least. Yeah. It has, see, that's the thing, because like when I heard it, I was thinking like, you know, really like heavy, like, New York accent saying lizard, and I was like, Oh, that'd be funny as hell, even though it has nothing to do with New York. But just saying like tin lizard just sounds fantastic to me, and I just like I love that vibe, yeah. But like, if I'm picking a team name, I probably gotta go haymakers just because the alliteration's too good, yeah. It, it the Hager sound haymaker sounds great, and I really do think, like, I tweeted about this one, like, I think that energy there is like if you really lean hard to a um. If you lean like really hard into like a farm, like a jacked like farmer with like, his clenched fist, I think that kind of fits the energy too. It kind of fits the fact that like you know Maryland has a lot of farm country, and people don't really think about that. Most think about Baltimore, neither here or there again. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like, yeah, I think that really could do well. I think it could crush it when it comes to merch too. Yeah, it just feels real. Plus, it. If you do that, though, they got to be in the same division as the Barnstormers, because Haymakers got to be with Barnstormers. Um, Hay with Barn. Yeah, you're right. Yep. I'll give you that one for sure. Like, um, it just needs to be. And honestly, it kind of fits with Revolution, too, because I assume Revolution is supposed to be Industrial Revolution, also kind of a play on American Revolution. And when I think of like Industrial Revolution, I think of automated farming equipment now and if you think farming you think hey hey maker it just like the three have to be together agreed yeah i think you're i think you're there i i no notes we're on the same page for sure which really gets us back to the point that we started with which is 
three divisions, a north, a central, and a south just makes so much sense. Yeah. Nah, I could see it. But we can't have nice things, so that's where we're at. And you know they'll just go to two if they have 12. Yeah. So the only realistic way to get the three set up is either to go down to nine or go up to 15. And going to nine seems to be a lot easier of a path. Yeah, I just don't know if I like three teams in it. I don't know, like three team divisions. I mean, is it better? Is it that much worse than what we have now for a playoff system? I think of it in a weird way where the number one complaint, well, one, okay, that's like not the number one complaint. The number one complaint that pops up um, about on field stuff, we're not talking about like, you know, the normal, like, uh, BS you deal with <laughs> from yeah. fans, but number one thing from season ticket holders about like the on-field product tends to be that um, you know, like same teams over and over complaints about the schedule. I get a lot of DMs about schedules, yeah. um, and I heard it plenty while I was in Lexington too. So um, I, my one thought is like the last thing you want to do is start rubbing some season ticket holders the wrong way in like multiple markets by having them play like even more than they do because the Atlantic League is really bad on yeah. repeat competition. Like, even more by having three-team divisions. Like, I think that's... I wouldn't invite playing each other even more than they do now with five-team divisions. I just think that would be... Uh, there's potential for... You know, you, you can only watch the same head-to-head. And especially now, if you're talking about a league that you're... If you have three divisions, you're going to need a wild card. Like, you you very easily can have a, just a trash team in one of those divisions. And then, well, your second team's definitely going to make a wild card then. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what would be the most, like, the most effective way if you're going to do the division setup, which feels like 60 games against, but then again, you only got to play two other teams. Yeah. So if you're doing that, so I get, and I'm trying to figure out what would be a good number to divide into by three as well. So you have the three game series and then you want that to come into it. So like if you were to play three teams, or 16 game divisions across three teams, 20 each, 10, 10 each way makes it simpler. Uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. The math is tough. And on top of that, like you said with the fan thing, that would be a problem. So I understand the argument against it. If they weren't, it sounds to- nitpicky, but I just know that, I mean, that's your season dollars to tend to be a little bit nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, if you were to go to 15, I'd say I'd like that better because then at least it's four teams in that division that you're playing against. And mm. it, that's a bit better, especially if you're having some interdivision play fairly frequently. If you're saying for like every two in division series is another out of division series, then I feel like that's fine. Right. But yeah, yeah, with the, with, if you're only at nine playing two others, then it would be a problem. Yeah. You got to have double it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. It's just, it's not a good, they, if I'm the land league, I'm doing all I can to find another market, but I don't trust them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They'll come up with Shreveport is the answer. Yeah. Some wild man. Now when we go to New Orleans, yeah, they'll go New Orleans and they'll go Shreveport both at the same time. That would make more sense, honestly. Like, at least then you're making the trip down there to play two series. Yeah, but, I mean, the real answer to that question is then, why aren't both of them in the American Association where they belong? Yeah, fair enough. And because you know, the American Association would go for that before because they're trying to justify, well, not justify, that sounds bad, but like kind of, round out that Cleburne area where they used to have a bunch of teams near them and now it's just a road trip 
Yeah, why? Because it's now it's a, a two week long road trip there where even really? Cleburne, when you look at like attendance wise, even if they're milking that number, it's not a great number. And they just changed hands for the third time in like five years. Well, it's just, it's a. I was starting about this a lot. Like, yeah. I think about it, we talked about it maybe even on the pod about New England. The problem with New England expansion is yeah. everyone's afraid of losing basically any April or early May date. I mean, it's up in PA right now. I mean, it's mid 60s, gray and rainy right now in June. So if you're going up north even more, and I mean, you're starting to really run into some days where people are just going to be not in it. Yeah. Um, and, but man, like Cleburne, like that's what, turf field in the middle of summer in Texas? Yeah. Like, no cover. I mean, there's a reason ballpark in Arlington's beautiful. There's a reason they don't play there anymore. Like they just couldn't get butts in seats. And I, I think that might be the the energy. I mean, if we want to talk about it, I also think the marketing of Cleveland's really bizarre. The way they like attack Astros fans. If you've seen that, I have like, not. No, bro. They'll like, and they maybe they haven't done as much recently, but it just stuck with me. Like they at least for a while would routinely like make jokes about like hating on Astros fans, whatever. And like, I'm like, bro, like half the baseball fans in the state are probably associating as Astros fans here. Like what, what are you doing? Especially the young ones. We only know the Astros are successful as opposed to the Rangers. Exactly. I was just very weird. Like I, I never understood what the thought process was there and they've done some weird stuff. They had that April fool's joke this year that like put me over on that. I was like, God, like I don't even, I'm good. Like, I, don't, I don't really. That's the thing too. It wasn't even like it was a. It was good in the way of that. Like it's extremely believable because wasn't Derek Holland? Yeah. Yeah, and then he wound up signing in York, which is actually the funny part, which makes me almost want to believe that like they had genuinely thought he was signed, and then he backed out of the contract, and they're like, ah, nah, April Fools, or there was something like that. Except he put something out who's like, I don't even know who this team is. Like, no, I'm not signed with anybody. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. It was just like, they, it was just really not good. And, and like, here's the other thing, right? So that's a guy who's like, now he was in a situation where he's like trying to keep the career alive. He's had a great, like, he's got MLB time. Like, he's, I don't know. He's, he's down right now. And then to like, have things going around like he was signed and like signed to an e-ball team like both of it is like gets his hopes up if he doesn't like looking at it or he's like what the hell is this and like for the first time he's like why is there people saying i'm signed somewhere what the hell is an e-ball team oh they're making a joke about signing like all of it's just like mean-spirited in a way that i don't think you can be a little mean-spirited i'm not saying it has to be like nice nice all the time it's twitter like i'm cracking jokes about this immersive ball week sorry uh i just think that you also need to look and be like, or what do we, there better be a good pop. Like you better really cash it in. And they just didn't like, it, I don't, it just wasn't a good vibe. Like I see it. And like, the thing is, I'm, I mean, it good in the way of it's extremely believable because Derek Holland was, I mean, it really is because he did wind up signing with York, but he was a believable name for that. But at the same time, it also was just so random and the thing is, it's not like it's particularly funny. That's yeah. the thing. Like, if there was a payoff to it, then it would be something else. Or, like, if they were touting, like, oh, Derek Holland, Derek Holland, Derek Holland, and then they had a different dude named Derek Holland that they trot out in, like, some sort of video release, right? Yeah, the whole thing was, like, yeah. like you have, like, employees on the side, like, almost office style, like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's Derek Holland. 
Yeah. Like, I'm, I, it's like, I am Derek Holland. It's like, okay, I don't think he's that Derek Holland. But like, yeah, and I'm in creative. Like, the Staten Island did like the crappily edited Chris Stefano signed video or like picture or whatever. Like, like literally in the same April Fool's Day, other teams did the same thing. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it, that would, but it rubbed me. The point is, it rubbed me the wrong way. And like, if I'm a player and I see they do that and like show that they're just kind of out of touch or like, you know, is that a good vibe? I'm not really as interested in doing that. I don't know. But I don't know. You had the guy on from Cleveland. Um, manager, right? Yeah, you had yeah, Logan yeah. Watkins. Yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah, and that was a great interview. You seemed like a great guy. So I, yeah, no, Logan's cool. Think the best of Cleveland, but to summarize, I totally understand why they have bad attendance. <laughs> like, I, it's not the on-field product's fault. Oh yeah, I mean, like, it really, like, while they haven't been an overly successful franchise, it really isn't that. It, I think everyone kind of knew that's the problem. I mean, that was Grand Prairie's problem too, partially on top of being just a dog shit team that's going to hurt you every time when you're basically have a development deal with a Chinese or Taiwanese league team. Uh, But regardless of that, being in the heat has always been a problem there, which makes me kind of wonder, because Cleveland's not that far from Dallas-Fort Worth, and I don't think Grand Prairie's all that far either. You know, if you lose someone that's, you know, like could be a co-marketing type of thing, yeah, it does kind of raise some questions there which i'm not even sure how we got on to cleburne talk but we're here no, now. And, and right now the format's in shambles and i apologize for that so the last thing i'm gonna say we're gonna circle back on one thing yeah. because i just want to get off my chest i know somebody's gonna try from west virginia's try to get my dms about this okay i know that like kanawa around charleston had mine had mining i'm talking about like it just did weird for charleston which is like you know kind of bougie and likes to be the big the, city like is gonna grab like the dirty birds thing and claim that but it doesn't make it a bad team name i just think like if you really want to go like the like dirty bird like grime energy like the rough energy like i mean dude you're like 50 miles away from blair mountain you could lean into like the revolution vibe like can't name revolution obviously shout out york but like there was something there you could have gone like real edgy with it if you really wanted to and leaned into the history of like us against the world like ah there was room i just think there was room to do more as the name I'd still, it's fine. They think they, they all in all, they did fine for what difference it makes. I, I couldn't name more than probably like two places in West Virginia, so it's I all mines to me. But West Virginia, if you they're gonna be like, What are you talking about? There's mining near there. I'm like, Yeah, I get that. Like, it's just cool. Like, it's just not what you think of with Charleston. That's all. That's I'm just all. happy they have the internet. Good for them. Hey, chill. Honestly, where I live in Kentucky. <laughs> Uh, back to the topic at hand. Where are we at on the? Oh uh, yeah, we got one last uh, piece of news. We got one last piece of news because we Literally. went through. Uh, we went through Almost the names. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. All we got news wise is uh, Rickwood Field's going to host an MLB game, former Negro yeah. League Park. So I'm just going to throw out there: what's the trickle down effect to Hinchcliffe? Now I don't think they're getting anything, but hey, it's worth throwing out there. They got that announcement about the new Hall of Fame. Uh, whatever. Yeah, the Larry Doby plaque. Yes, sorry. No offense, Larry Doby. It was just like, you, you know, he thinks it's going to be bigger. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I just don't see uh, how you're going to host a major league ball game there. I mean, with all due respect, we see how the Jackals are tearing up that place. I can only yeah. shiver to think what a major league hitter is going to do there. Yeah. In the defense of both the Jackals and the ballpark, they are doing that on the road as well. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> they are, Fair. Yeah, they're the offense. But like, also, let's be honest. Like that offense was 
built for that stadium. So yeah, yeah. and the I thing, mean, the, the the problem I have lugging five ten. <laughs> yeah, they're leading the league in home runs by twelve home runs. Good God! Yeah, we're gonna have more on Jackal Power coming up later on okay. uh, in the show. So, but uh, more more to the point. It's just, I just don't think that stadium's up to major league quality, even for one game. I mean, we, we've we seen the inside of this redone stadium, and it looks nice. And the fact that it's primarily supposed to be used for the Patterson school system makes a lot of sense. And it's very nice for that. It's going to serve that purpose extremely well. Problem is, the standard between high school athletics... And professional baseball is not comparable. And so when you have pop-up tents and a bouncy house on a track inside the fence, it just kind of looks cartoony. Yep. Yep. I would say they, um, yeah, I would say that they probably, I got to figure they've tried to get a game there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Harold Reynolds has been beating that drum too. Oh yeah, I, and Andre Singh, the mayor of Patterson's, really hammered that one. I can't imagine now. I just can't imagine MLB liking that vibe, liking those optics. I mean, I would say MLB is probably like, hey, like we're cool with it if you do this and this. I mean, MLB is all full of. I mean, uh, the. I mean, God, where do you want to begin on the yeah. list of where they're hypocritical on this kind of thing? Because how many teams got cut loose under the guise of field conditions. Like that was what happened with Trenton, which say what you will about Trenton, but I like, I know the guy who did the grounds there and they were actually pretty good at the end. So it was kind of a weird, like they almost reached at the five year before that complaint. Oh, and, I remember uh, the Trenton one too, because I got a random press release from the Trenton Thunder. And I was like, <laughs> why was I getting this? And I was I'm like, checked it. And, yeah. It was like a legit press release. And I was like, Oh, does this mean you're going to the Atlantic league? And then they I, dropped the bomb of we're above this. Yeah. Well, the, uh, but like after all the teams got cut for that, then they're yeah. like, oh, we'll go to like Williamsport and play at like their little minor league field. That's though, apparently that's fine. That's up to major league quality. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're one once it gets cut in the New York Penn League. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, that or we'll just go to like a soccer stadium that's retrofitted to be a baseball stadium over in London. Yeah, and well, which I mean, that might be the best argument if we're honest for um, Hinchcliffe. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That all runs together in the same thing I said the other day, which is you know when all that stuff's going down with Oakland and uh, the commissioner's comments on that, I was like, this is why I prefer to not be in MLB stuff for the most part. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you know exactly what's motivating everything. So, mm-hmm. which is why the revo- the reverse boycott, I didn't quite understand. I was like, I get what you're doing. You're you're trying to prove the point that we all already know. But we all already know it, so why are you trying to prove it? And I feel like Fisher is perfectly cool with you chanting whatever you want in his stadium as long as you're paying him to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, like what? What are you proving? Agreed. I mean, I think, I think John Boy might have said the same thing. Like I, the way you really could have brought that home is if you did that, and then the next night, like had an actual, like full non-reverse boycott. Like nobody went to the game, straight empty. Yeah, just be like, we can do both ways, man. Like you can have something or nothing. 
but like, and also because then it chips away at whatever bonus he could have gotten out of that first game or that, uh, that reverse boycott game, which of course, like, you know, he gave it to a uh, charity or whatever, but yeah. I think it was funny that they kind of outed themselves with that talking about like how much money got donated and everyone was like, why would you tell us that? Like, why would you tell us make that much every home game? <laughs> but, uh, in any case, I guess we're going to try and keep to the format here. Uh, second part of the show is contract purchases. <laughs> And so uh, we'll run through them fairly quick. There's actually a decent amount. I think there's like seven this week. So that's pretty good. Um, the first one was Kyle Baraclaw, high point mm-hmm. guy, signed to the Boston Red Sox, AAA now, 18 innings, uh, area one, a 1 0 record, 17 strikeouts, uh, four walks. Uh, normally a reliever in Major League Baseball, now a starter in the minors. I think he already had one star for Worcester, right? I did not look that one up. Oh, you know, I rely on you to be the baseball reference guy. I know, but it's embarrassing how like out of touch I am. Like, I gotta like find, open a new page to even get to that, like minor league stuff. He has had one start. I, I know because hey, when uh, I did these nice notes, I'll be ready. Ago. I'll, I'll get ready. I'll get ready. If, I, if if I'm already ready, I don't have to get ready. So I got it. I'm on you. All right. Well, that's good because now we're going to uh, from Monday the nineteenth to Tuesday the twentieth. Because we have two signings. The first one, Jared Ikov from Lexington goes to the Guardians, formerly known as the Indians, AAA affiliate in Columbus. They're called the Clippers. Um, but he yeah. had a 3-4 record, a 6.16 ERA, and just under 50 innings pitch, 40 strikeouts, and 20 walks. If he has had a AAA start, I cannot possibly imagine it went well because the fact he was signed from the Atlantic League is uh interesting yeah we don't get all the data the teams get i have to assume they um you know yeah five innings five runs by the way okay Uh, that makes sense i mean i gotta assume they saw something but i mean he was he had a one almost a one seven whip seven k's per nine like four walks per nine like i hate you know me pro player like i'm pro but like at a certain point you gotta be like ah like when certain guys get signed, I'm like, I'm just not going to report this. <laughs> or like, you know, you got to kind of go question, like, yeah, is this your guy? Okay. Um, I mean, what happened was they saw a former major leaguer and they're like, yeah, yeah, he still got it. I got to think they must have thought, some, they must have seen, all right, my assumption on anybody who gets signed these days where I go, huh, is that they must have seen something that goes, if he also threw a sweeper, he'd be fine. But and maybe that's what was happening. Maybe he was trying to throw a new pitch in the start. I know he got one strikeout facing 26 batters. That's a concern. I don't know. I want to do great. I want, you know, every grinder from Indy Ball to make it back to the show or make it to the show for, you know, the first time. But I am just, that one really made me, I confused enough that I texted you. I never yeah. hit you up. At, like, I was like, uh, what? Yeah. And I think I said, I think they thought they were signing Jack Eichel instead. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I hope all for, all the best for Ikoff. I just don't understand what we were looking at there. I just think like Nick Riquette or uh, Capiano would make more sense than this if we're going off of sheer ability. But yeah. In any case, uh, the other guy signed was from Missoula. He's now with the twin single A affiliate. That is Cameron Willman. A, he, now keep in mind, they are Pioneer League numbers, but. Uh, line was 427, 494, 642 home runs, 15 RBIs, a stolen base, 10 walks in 21 games, 
not too bad. But he probably fits in in a single A situation. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. I that makes. I mean, I'm all. I really would just start grabbing Pioneer League guys like lottery tickets and seeing which ones can hit in another level. Yeah, I mean that pretty much works out there. I feel like the pitchers, and there's one that we're going to get to in a second, really are the ones where like, ooh, they've done well here. You got to mm-hmm. jump on those ones. Uh, but even still, uh, yeah, Pioneer League guys are basically rookie ball teams at this point, so you might as well just grab the ones you like. Uh, we keep moving on. I don't know that. I mean, like, well, where would you compare them to? Let me check my handy name chart here for my exact answer. Um, like, like a Mr. Science. You know, that's how I am. Uh, <laughs> Built different. Got, now, this is preseason. I've got them. Out of date information. Um, between high A and single A, I would close. I would probably put them closer to single A now. Okay. So, like, if we're working on a 1 to 100 scale, and single A is a 62 and high A is a 71, I'd probably put Pioneer League around a 65. Okay, well. Which is a step backwards for them. I think they need to, they got to get this pitching situation under control. I understand there's a shortage of it, but like, it, it until it is, it, you know, maybe there's something they can do, but it, it just, the facts of the matter are, it's a hitter's league environmentally, and it's a hitter's league with the pitcher's, like uh, ability there but i will say i believe in anybody who's tossing numbers there like i don't understand some of the guys are still around i'm like why are you here <laughs> wow we're gonna get to those other guys that were signed yesterday on thursday and one of them is in the pioneer league and that's mark timmons also yep. of missoula angels guy now in rookie ball for the angels 1-0 mm-hmm. record in 18 and a third innings a 147 era 20 k's two walks in his time there yeah that makes sense. <laughs> uh, other pitcher that was signed, or two, there's two other guys. First one was Nick Harold of Lake Country, the Dock Hounds. He goes to the Giants. Could not find what level he's on. I checked high and low. I have to imagine it'll be likely either double A or high A. Uh, that seems to be where most of their indie ball signings go, which I noticed when I was searching through there. A lot of indie ball guys that got signed by the Giants have been released this month from the Giants. Uh, yeah. So they seem to just get them in, get them out, turn them out, turn them in, turn them out. So mm-hmm. good and bad to be signed by the Giants, I guess. Wait, see. Hopefully you make it to the grinder. Uh, but either way, Nick Harold, 4-2, and two, a 338 ERA, and 37 in the third innings, 47. Three strikeouts, 13 walks for Nick Harold. Yeah, sure. Hope it goes well. I don't trust the Giants organization. That's why I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, I think they're a churn and burn type of organization these days, but that's fine. Yeah. Also, I'm looking at the fact that Eikhoff's last outing in the Atlantic League, he was throwing 89. And he got signed? Yep. Must see something, man. <laughs> yeah. And the fighter's good. This is like one of those law and order episodes where you're just desperately trying to figure out who did it and you just can't figure it out for the life of you. Yeah, that's about right. But, he, he does have good spin rate. That's probably what they're looking at. I mean, it's got to be. Fast four seam isn't great, but I mean, that's not where you're him. Anyway. Now, allow me to be an old school, old head type of scout. The mm-hmm. kind that's after a lot of the guys that manage an independent league baseball's heart, which is his spin rate's good. But it allows a lot of runs. Oh, yeah. The response is, ooh, big number on spin rate. You know what else is a big number? His ERA. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I get it. I'm not anti-advanced numbers. It's just more information that factor in. But, like, 
I feel like you don't just sign a guy off a spin rate. Like yeah. there has to be some ability to go with it. Yeah. Um, I know it's true. And again, I don't want to bash on Jared Eikhoff. It's just yeah. confusing. It's confusing to me too. When it's like, it's, it, it's something else we talked about. It's just that it's so much easier for your pitcher to get signed. <laughs> like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And it, Okay. It's obviously easier if you're a, you know, former MLB guy too, because yeah. it's a, it's a whole different situation. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, talking about guys getting signed and it being interesting easier for pitchers to get signed let's talk about christopher de guzman who is a batter that got signed from great oh, yeah. falls white Sox guy uh high or i think just single a i think he's with canapolis if i saw the post right uh line 441 485 525 no home runs nine rbis one stolen base six walks in 16 games sheesh pretty good week or two went at it yeah he took advantage of the Pioneer League environment. So good for the Guzman. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the only other guy to get signed, Isker Matson. Uh, that is a Southern Maryland fellow. Double uh, A is where he is. I did not write where he went. I believe it was the Twins, though, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a, a one and one record, 332 ERA, 19 innings pitch, 24 Ks, eight walks in that time frame. Yeah. Also, by the way, filling in the blanks here, Cleveland does have four injured relievers at the AAA level. That'll do it. Yep. So, yeah. was this just a matter of, hey, how would you like to come up and pitch for, Cle- for Columbus for a couple weeks? Nice ballpark. Yeah. I mean, Columbus seems like one of those nice kind of mid-tier cities. The problem, of course, is is that it is in, in Ohio. So being in Ohio is definitely a handicap. Yeah, but I mean, he was in Lexington. Fair point. What I said. You to Ohio is probably, you know. but I mean, they're attached. That's why I'm like, I don't really know. Yeah. See, this is also why I'm not allowed to leave a coast. If I leave a coast, I'm in trouble. But yeah, all right. Uh, regardless, yeah. though, that's all the contract purchases this week. <laughs> if we're going to try and keep with the format, which I don't know how it's going, it's probably going like a Titanic expedition at this we point. Might have to, we might have to pace push a little bit. Yeah, but uh, I do want to talk about the one series in the series preview. I get it. Which is High Point versus Gastonia. Middle of the week series or start of the week series, I actually believe twenty seven to uh, twenty nine, if I'm not mistaken, or is it twenty six to twenty eight, or is Monday the getaway day? Yes, okay. it's going to be a bang. That would be safe to say that this is a series that decides the outcome of the division, meaning that we are like ten days away from the end of the first half. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, let me. I'm pulling the schedule again. I think they play. Oh no! Let me double check my let me check my records here. Uh, because Gastonia has three at Staten Island before this, and then uh, High Point three at home versus uh, Southern Maryland. Yep. And then they have last night of the first half. They are playing High Point one more time. So not. I would say it is the series to determine the division if Gastonia sweeps it. Okay. <laughs> I think if High Point sweeps it, I think, I mean, Gastonia still has a shot, but wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. So it, it really could come down to his real point here. Like this, because it doesn't give you much breathing room. This could really be a, a foot on the throat type of thing. 
True. I mean, Gastonia does have three against Frederick coming up. Who they? I mean, they what? They won their first nine against Frederick to start the year. Um, I know they won two out of three against them last time. So I mean, they they beat up Frederick. That's a fact. Yeah, and they also have Staten Island before that too. So I mean, that should be eleven against Frederick. Good God! Wait, what? Gastonia, calm down. What's Gastonia doing now? (laughs) Gastonia has that memory burned in them of a. that first season where everyone just teed off. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that gets me, though, is like with Gaston, you would think like, oh, well, they're still doing the same thing they were doing last year. But it's like, no, they're not really doing that anymore. They changed yeah. the way they're winning. Yep, it's true. And like, that's a credit to Salisbury, right? Yeah, absolutely is. I I mean, doing, I mean, I've talked about it before, but just doing a great job, man. Like yeah. handling business. Yeah, he just like casually came and was like, yeah, we're going to win this way. And I was like, eh, it didn't quite work well enough. Let's try it this way. And, and the thing like, is, they keep winning, even though they keep losing, like, all their leading hitters. Yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, it, you can't ignore the fact that it happened high point last year, and Gastonia was the benefactor there. So you're you're on high alert for it to happen the other way this year. But True, true. Uh, but either way, in case people are wondering why we're saying this is going to determine the uh, the series, is they're both tied right now for first place in the division. I don't know who holds the tiebreaker. I think it's Gastonia, but I'm not 100% certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yeah, so that's why it's it could very well come down to this because one side sweeps the other, then uh, that's a big hole to have to undo in about one week's time. Uh uh-uh, uh, the tiebreaker is 50 50. 50 50 right now, so it's like yep. all the way through. So they have four games left, so it's possibly tie the tiebreaker. <laughs> um, and then what's yeah. the uh, secondary tiebreaker? Oh god, oh no, it's always so difficult to look that up. Uh, um, you weren't uh, ready for can, that. Don't push me on that right now, but I can circle back to you in like probably two minutes with an answer. All right. Well, then I'll just talk for two minutes, and then we'll uh, we'll get that tiebreaker answer. Uh, background on Gastonia. A lot of key departures as of recent. J.C. Ascaris, the main guy that I'm thinking of. Although Stephen Moya, who has been gone for a minute now, he, he's gone too. Uh, there's a couple other guys as well. Uh, as far as Gastonia is concerned, 8-4 and four in their last 12. Most runs scored in the Atlantic League. A top three offense, a top three pitching team. They don't really steal a lot of bases because as we were just saying, they've kind of changed their makeup uh, as to how they score their runs. And so far in the month of June, they are 9-1. and one on the road this is of course a series that is at high point so that is why it is relevant as far as how high point is concerned uh they have three games at home before they play uh the hunting the honey hunters they have the blue crabs at home they are two and two at home in june so it is what it is however they are the hotter team here they're coming in on a five game winning streak winners of nine of their last three so fairly even compared to gastonia a top three batting team as well but i would call them the top pitching team in the league by most general metrics so it is essentially two of if not the two best teams in this league fighting each other for the division i got your answer okay let's see what the secondary tiebreaker would be so it would be the intra-division record so if the head-to-head records also a tie then the involved clubs records within their division will break the tie um right. now should so that be a tie that would be then the inter-division records so non-division records and which that were they have the tie. same record and the same head-to-head record and same interdivision. I think it's guaranteed they would have the same interdivision, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah. I'm missing some math there. But then it's... Unless there was rainouts or something like that. Yeah, then it's a question mark because they follow MLB uh, tiebreaker rules. I don't know if they follow it down to 
number four, which is last half of the intro league games, which is an interesting choice. So it'd be like the last half of their games against the South Division. It's odd. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Down for the Atlantic League, but personally, I think what they should just do instead is just send one league official to each team's home ballpark and pick one pitcher to throw the hardest pitch they can and one batter to hit a ball as far as they can. Each only gets one shot at it, and whoever has the harder pitch advances, if that's a tie, whoever hits the farthest baseball advances. We'll, um, I'm just trying to think. (laughs) I mean, in my dream world, they would be like, all right, it's a tie, same head-to-head record, all that. Um, You guys are playing again tomorrow, so uh, that will decide. And you're like, oh, like convenient enough, we'll play a one game playoff, and it's tomorrow in your regular season game. But oh, wait, we could even we could just go to the uh, Frontier League sudden death rules. Yeah, honestly, could I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I mean that probably would work. Which, by the way, did you see Tri City lost on a uh, last night against the? I think it was last night, if not the night before, to Quebec, tenth inning, bases loaded, walk. Really, I did miss that one. Yeah, I'm behind Brock by Warren like one up. night on two leagues, and Frontier was one of them. Yeah, no, I just I saw the tweet uh, about it, and I think I re- I quote tweeted it with, "What a heartbreaking way to lose a game." Yep, that's a walk. Damn, brutal. Oh, God, that's got to kill. So, uh, any cool. thoughts on this series beyond you know? Obviously, we'll determine the outcome. Any sort of guess as to who's going to pull it out? Um, damn, dude. Um. Uh, I do trust Gastonia, man. Um, wow. I I really do. Uh, for the series, damn, man. I'm, I'm trying to think about it. Like, it is really close between us two. Obviously, I mean, hey, they're 500 against each other. Um, High Point's been hot, though. That offense has been so good again. Remember early in the year, High Point had those, like, ridiculous offensive numbers? Yeah. Yeah. They've, I mean, last six games, they hung 26 runs on Southern Maryland in a three-game series, and then they put up 29 on Lexington. Um, well, so 40 runs start- in a week's gonna do it, yeah. They're starting to look like that again. So, I'm probably gonna say High Point wins this series. That said, I'm not sold on them winning the division still. Uh, <laughs> so, that's the hang up here. The hang up is in a way, you think <laughs> you win this series, it really does kind of put, give you an edge in this, uh, you know, in the division race. But it's just the team you think is gonna win the series, you're not sold on uh, taking advantage of the edge, yeah. That's my thing. I mean, because they have three against Southern Maryland. High point is while Gastonia's got their games against Staten Island, point is playing Southern Maryland, which is a much tougher matchup. And I mean high point I think it's five hundred against Southern Maryland this year. Uh so that's gonna be a battle, at least five hundred in the last six against them. I think they swept them early in the year when they're still really hot. Um but to be fair, Staten Island also year. has been feeling their oats lately. They beat up a little bit on uh Long Island. Not too much, but they did what they normally do to them. Southern Maryland? No, uh, Staten Island against Lang Island True, this past week. Right, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but they also got punked 14-1. to 1, uh, Well, that's going to happen. There's still Staten Island, and they're still playing a team with 13 Back. major leaguers on their roster. Cool. And then moving past that, I mean, Gastonia gets done with High Point, and they head to um, Charleston, oh. and High Point goes to York. Or they go home, but York's playing them. So, well, to be fair, York has like four straight losses. They have not been playing good baseball lately, and they were shut out by Charleston. Yeah, I know. I'd still rather play Charleston than York, though, man. <laughs> fair. Fair. Yeah. But I mean, let, 
let me put into this case here. Especially Gastonia's offense against Charleston's offense. But if it comes down to one game where for York, it's uh, whoever that is not named Nick Riquette. Anyone that's not named Nick Riquette is on the mound. For a game against Charleston where it's Rachansky on the mound, which would you rather play in that case? No, you're right. You're right. Um, because we know the answer to that question. And honestly, frankly, I know people don't do the trades in indie ball because it doesn't really matter as much. And also, guys really hate having to move when they don't need to move. But man, would I like to see Danny go to a team that's contending. Yeah. Like, imagine I know. adding him to like high point. Yeah. Man, high point guys don't have the two best, by run scored at least, by the two yeah. best. Offenses and two best pitching staffs. That's I know. Like, that's why this was a no-brainer for series of the week. I mean, 12 and a half games up on Lexington. What? Well, I mean, to be fair, Lexington was nearly 500 a week ago. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> that went cool. south. That went south real quick. But uh, yeah. In any case, yeah. uh, for the sake of brevity here, I'm just going to run through the teams that are hot, teams that are not. You have any comments on any of them? Say something. Hot teams, Missoula, Lincoln, New Jersey, High Point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any I mean, I was going to throw out, I was going to throw out uh, the Missoula fun fact that I tweeted earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, the graph. Oh, yeah, man. It, it, you all can head over to the Indie Ball Nation uh, Instagram or Twitter account. I tweeted out the, the run differential per game for Missoula is 4.7 right now, which is 2.3 runs better than anyone else in the league. It's absolutely insane. So they're winning an, on an average game. They're going to outscore you by 4.7 rounds. Well, they've scored 72 runs in their last six games, too. It's offensive what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, 21 and 6, right? 21 and 6 and... Um, Lone team with single-digit losses left in the Pioneer. Yeah, and I'm just trying to pull one thing here. There is. Okay. And when we're looking at it... Um, oh, no. Boy, what a disaster. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Idaho Falls pitching is not good. So that makes sense. They went off like that, but still, it, man, it's just, they're killing. <laughs> they're just beating you. That really was though, like a lambs to slaughter situation. I mean, cause mm-hmm. Idaho Falls does have the worst run differential too. And then they came in and Missoula just ran them up. They won each game by three, t- by a touchdown. Like <laughs> It's insane. Oh, so then I gotta know, why haven't you ranked Missoula? Um, because I love Missoula. I think they're far and away the best Pioneer League team. I think that they would get pumped by every Frontier League team that isn't the Empire State. So you hate Missoula. I understood. I don't. I love Missoula. I might be going there on vacation. That's under wraps, but keep an eye out, Pioneer League. I just want friend of the show, Michael Schlatt, who's also the manager of the Missoula Paddleheads, to know I voted for you guys. Ryan she hates did. you and didn't vote for you. I didn't. I just... I, I, I will love be voting for you again, by the way, too. I know, I know you will. I know. They're going to be in the 10 slot until they manage to mess up significantly. And I don't think they're going to do that because they're Missoula. Oh, man. I don't know. It, I, I'm trying to think what would have to happen for me to like rank them. That's all I'm trying to think right now. Um, they, go, they go on a 10-game heater. They go 13 straight. I mean... I've got them. Okay. I mean, I got them closer than I thought. I got them 16. You got them far down there. You're disrespecting the mid-majors. Yeah, maybe. But 
Yeah, I mean, look, dude, I saw TCU in that championship game. You know what I'm saying? Like, which I'm sorry, the Big Twelve is a mid major. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, it's it just, I don't know, man. I, I dude, look. I'll put it like this: Charleston College or the College of Charleston got ranked 25th in the AP poll this year. Yeah, well, doesn't mean they should have. I, but they were there. But they yeah. were there. I missed their game against Bama. How'd that go? Well, I'm saying basketball. They not play them. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> play back. Uh, I would be now, concerned if like a uh, NEC conference or I probably got the conference wrong because in the same conference as Hofstra and I know some from Hofstra that's not going to be happy if I got the conference wrong but we're going to call it the NEC because it's mid-major and it's all the same so you know they, they were mid-major got ranked because they scored a couple of wins and they scared the hell out of UNC now granted UNC is about them almost losing to a mid-major is hilarious, but mm. still, point remains. Um, I'll say I do have a hot team in the Pioneer, though. Uh, Billings, man. Billings. Getting with it. Billings started, like, real off. I'm trying to pull what their uh, their original record was. but The Billy Horton-led Billings? They have, they have an offense that just is not doing it, which is so funny. But their pitching is really good. So it's like a fascinating, it's a weird How setup. How your for, offense not work in the Pecos League? Pioneer League, how dare you? Um, Pioneer, Pecos, you know. It, they well, both they start with P um, and then have, go to a vowel. Well, they have this guy, Krampetel, has got 2.17. He's in the rotation. He's gross. And then, um, what is, I'm trying to figure out what their they, their record was to start. I, I remember they had a really bad start. And I was like, uh-oh, this team might never do anything at all. And because they weren't scoring, too. So you're like, what the hell are we doing here? Um yeah, that's right. They hopped out in two wins against Missoula and then ripped one, two, three losses, a win, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe was that ten losses, something like that. Yeah. But since then, man, they're back to twelve and fifteen. They've won they're one and eight on the road, which is something to write home about, maybe. But um mm-hmm. the uh not a good bus trip team, but eleven seven at home, and they're eight and two in the last ten. So I like Billings, man. Right. They're making a run. Chasing down Ogden, who's being led by Dan Kubiak. Of multiple indie leagues, if I recall. I know yeah, it's been uh, Charleston Dirty Bird and been Washington wild. wild Thing. Hey, someone maybe sign him. He's been gross. 13 Ks <laughs> and nine innings. I know it's only nine innings, but nine appearances and a zero ERA for Ogden. So, you know, no, no runs over nine and a third in the Pioneer League. Maybe, maybe think about it. So, are Lincoln's two losses since the 9th of June meaningful or are they non meaningful? Um, I would say that's pretty good getting after it. Yeah, but did you see the teams they beat? Yeah, I know. So false. You can only beat the teams you're playing, but I'm also like... Counterpoint, that's the same argument I make for ranking Missoula. Yeah, I know. And that's why I don't actually vote that way. (laughs) Um, So there we go. Yeah, I mean... Winnipeg wins barely counts. Sorry, Winnipeg. Yeah, they're uh, on the cold list, by the way. Cold list is Winnipeg, York, Lexington, for those keeping track at home. Yeah, that's fair. Sioux City, I mean, that's an right one. I mean, they're, they've been so-so. Lake Country's been good, by the way. I've been impressed with Lake Country. They've shown up lately. All that Sioux it Falls, takes was getting Lake a new Delcount. manager. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so weird, man. Just middle of the year, Jim Bennett piecing out, taking half the coaching staff with them. Middle of the year, middle of the first week of the year. Plays. They played 13 games. Have they played 13 games already? They played about 13, yeah. And then he pieced out because then they went on a like a heater where they won like two of five. 
and that's a heater for Lake Country. And then they slowly start to figure it out. Yeah, you know, that's that's right. Yeah. It's an interesting setup out there. Yeah. Winnipeg's not doing good, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, pretty much on that one. Yeah, uh, they uh, they got two wins in their last ten, five wins on the month of June, four game losing streak during the month of June, seven three plus run losses. So uh, not their okay. best work. I'm gonna fess up to something. Lake Country has they have won three, four, six out of one, two, three, four, six, eleven. That's not as hot as I thought. If I'm honest, I've caught three Lake Country games in the past like week and a half, and they won all of them. So it probably skewed my mentality. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I'm pretty sure Lake Country starts the bottom of the division. They're not playing well, it's, also, it's also I'm comparing it to that start they had, where like they had one, two, three, four, seven, uh, thirteen. They started four and thirteen. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that's also kind of in my brain, I think. Yeah, because since then, I mean, what they're eleven and eight. So hey, boys are after it. Yeah. All right, we already mentioned Lexington and York at some point, as well as yeah. High Point. So only team left on this list that we haven't really mentioned, New Jersey. Can I just say I'm disappointed that they lost that one game to Windy City so that way we didn't have a 17-game win streak at the moment? Yeah, and I have a point on that, too, because I did notice like that was not the A-team out there for Jersey. Yeah. Who? All right, I know it loses, it loses a little bit of weight when you look at the Empire State situation. But, yo, who scheduled them to go Windy City on the road and then home the next day with uh, the only Monday game in the league. Well, That's the, the, <laughs> the problem is having Windy City there. The Jackals wanted a Juneteenth game. That's why they played that Monday. Yeah, you're right. I, so that they did that to themselves by wanting that game. Uh, yeah, that you're right. being said... A day game to night game, but still, man, that's a tough. That's a tough one. And that's what I, I was get, about to say. Like that said, they should have had a closer game than if, in Chicago. And, and here's the other one where it... It, I don't know if this was the thought process, but here's the other thing. The, I assume they wanted the starters out there for Juneteenth because they marketed that game a lot. Yeah. Which, because the re, I just feel like the option is, you know, beside the catcher position, have your starters tough it out one more game with Windy City, and then you can put, you can give them some rest playing Empire State. But I think because I would assume because they were trying to put Market, a spotlight yeah. which, game, that's where you end up in a situation. Which was that the game that we had the discussion about the attendance number? Yes, it is. Oh, the game where we counted 109 people in the stands from the social media video and they recorded attendance of what, 520 is what they said? Yeah, I was going to say, Ben for the doubt, I'd probably say like maybe 250. Yeah, like... I think I called it 320 at first, and then I was like, yeah, that, that's close to, like, 220. Because, <laughs> like, I just don't see that many more people showing up after the fourth inning. Yeah. And then there was, like, the broadcaster getting into it with the Flow Sports people, which is what... <laughs> Why? Because they, uh... He was giving them shit for saying the team's built around... All- and I'll, I'll give him credit. I'll give Reed this. I agree with what he said about the kind of diss towards PJ. 100%. Because PJ is a good manager. He knows yep. what he's doing. And that's part of the reason he built the team to be able to hit in a hitter's ballpark saying, hey, we're not going to be able to pitch here. No one is. We're not going to prioritize pitching. We're going to get the biggest hitters we can and just win games with offense. And it's working. But to then be annoyed 
saying the offense is carrying them to wins when undoubtedly the offense is carrying them to wins isn't quite fair. Again, not saying there aren't good pitchers on, on the Jackals, but they're not the centerpiece. So I do think of pointing out the pitching has gotten better, man. Yeah. Like this is not the mess that it was. Like if you look at that win streak, it started with a 20 to nothing win on Florence, which is hilarious. Cause if you remember Florence dunked two football scores on them in a row yeah. and you're back and put 20 up and shut them out. Hilarious. So weird. Indie balls. So weird. Um, but then Funsies. they held the, they held Washington to six runs in two games. They held, Trois-Rivières to what, like an average like four runs a game. And then they went they went to Gateway, held them to 13 runs in three games, which is that offense was crazy. They held Windy City to an average of four runs a game. The Again, the Grays, take it for what you will, but they swept that series, held them to one run, three runs, three runs, eight runs. So the pitching is better, man, Like, which is funny to say because, boy, was it a situation. <laughs> um, I mean, like, it's still not good. No, no, it's not. So, but like, it's at least not. It isn't. I would say it's not like for the league. It's not like one of those things where you're like, whoa, what the hell are we doing over there? Fair. I'll give you that. But like, still, I'm not sure how much credit I'm I'm tossing their way on that front there. But I uh, agree. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the team matches up with Sussex County. True. Which don't yeah. they have uh, the boulders this weekend, and then they go to I think Lake Erie, and then Tri City. Who with the boulders? Then Lake Erie comes in, and Tri City comes in. They got nine, ten straight home, and then they got the weird home and home series with Sussex County. Oh yeah, for Fourth of July. Where they Fourth of July, the they're gonna be a yeah. banger. Uh, how about that? One, two, three, four, seven, eight, twelve straight for the Jackals at home. Not bad. Wait, and Lake Erie's a home series. Must be a gap between high school sports. Putting. <laughs> Um, Good burn, but uh, Lake Erie, yes. Oh, oh, uh, Lake Erie, Lake Erie got screwed, man. They got to come out east three times. Yes, I mean, knock it all out at once, maybe. What's yeah, because they went, they did uh, Sussex County in yeah. I want to say end of May, beginning of June. Then last weekend they did uh, Tri City and the, the Boulders. Then they went home, yeah. and now they got to come back out for for the Jackals. Okay, yeah, I get it because they're like w- they're West Division, but like, all right, boo-hoo. You're like Eastern Ohio. Like, I don't know. I don't I'm really just feel saying like that's kind of screwing them over. They got to come out do the same thing for like four, like three out of the four weeks of the month. I'm guessing there's a uh, sort of a a pro and con going on there where you know they are sort of the central team, so that limits their max travel distance, which is nice. And they're not doing the like uh, gateway to you know, New York travel, but at the same time, they probably just get tapped to do more back and forth road trips than other teams. Fair enough. I I would, I would think that, I mean, I know that's kind of how it's supposed to work with the Atlantic league, but those teams are kind of in the middle. Um, But yeah, I mean, what is it? Home. Yeah. Home. And then try say New York home again, Sean Bridgley. At least it's like, no, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the home way home that is kind of weird because yeah. it's in groups of six games. That's not the other world. I mean, that's what they're doing. Cleveland, that makes sense. Um, mm. Yeah, I would as a as a. I will not say it's not a tough back and forth to go home for them to New Jersey to home. Like it no, just, then back home. No, then it's back home. Like I just yeah. I feel like it would have just made more sense just to knock out at the very least two or three of them at a time, right? Like, do Sussex and New Jersey as one, 
and then do New York and Tri-City as one. I agree. Like, yeah. it just seems I mean, like I, makes- I agree. Yeah. So I'm not saying that this is a good schedule. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I guess I'm saying it could be worse. I mean, everything could be worse, but... Uh, Me, the classic optimist. Regardless, uh, just a quick Over. side note before we get to the final two segments of this show, because we do have two segments left to get to. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I know, I mean, really. Yeah. Oh, Luckily, yeah. the quick segment, so that's good news. But sure. um, just the aside note is uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Windy City come to town as well as Gateway. So... Looking yeah, to I'm it. trying to get through a couple of these games. I haven't been able to run the games yet, which is a pain, but I will. My schedule's freeing up a little bit, so I'm hoping to start rattling those off now. Yeah, I'm look. I think uh, it's Gateway, I think it's the Sussex County one I'm doing, and then the Windy City I'm doing for New York, I think is how this works out. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about it. No, yeah, we definitely will. But uh, final two segments Crystal Ball. Uh, yeah. Gastonia or High Point holds the mul- holds a multi-game lead in the South Division at week's end. That's the first one of the predictions. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, it's a multi-game, meaning more than one. Just yeah. that's it. Yeah, one and a half or more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so. See, I was right. I was one for three last week, but the only one getting right was that the Jackals would be in first place at the week's end. I I think High Point wins this series but i don't think they sweep gastonia and then i don't think i think gastonia might pull a sweep after that and i think high point probably wins the series and they get their uh, gastonia gets their game back that way i'm just talking that when we get to thursday the 29th one of these teams is going to be a game and half up and i could see that being i don't know which one it is i just think one of them's going to yeah well also aren't they at the same number of games so here's the thing too like I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they will be, but that's where I'm at. That's right. where I'm, I, I would have said sticking to it. All right. Fair enough. But <laughs> I like to ante up with each one of these. The next one is kind of like the mid tier one. And I, I got to be honest, I'm not sure if I have full confidence in this one. I'm not sure. But I'm going to throw it out there because I, I don't know why. But I think we're going to have at least another five signings for Major League Baseball contracts this upcoming week. I think there's going to be five in the next week. Going from the 24th to the 29th, I think five guys are getting signed to MLB orgs, I should say. I'll go further on that. I'll go, yeah, five, and I think three of them will be Pioneer. Three, even the Pioneer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are using Pioneer for multiple reasons, uh, as a lot of ways to sort of fill out those minor leagues as they start to sort of grind through here, getting into midseason and start having holes to fill line. So they're pulling some of their guys up and you need Pioneer League guys to start filling. The only qualm I have with that. Is solely when is the draft? Yeah, that's right. Um, because that's the thing I think hurts the Pioneer League guys is that they have a very exclusive and limited window to get signed. July nine. So you got two weeks. Well, just about two weeks. Uh, I feel like they're kind of running out of road there because once the draft happens, they're just going to focus on the draft picks. Mm, I, but I think it'll take a little bit of time to get them in there, and the draft picks a lot of them are certainly rookie league. So if you need a A to high A filler, I think Pioneer might be able to fill it in. Also, you think I just go uh, Frontier for that. Yeah, maybe, maybe right. Then um, pick a younger guy that's in the American or the uh, Atlantic League. Honestly, one of those spots has to be Solomon Bates at this point. It should be. Good I don't know God. what more he has to do. What are we doing here? Eleven point three Ks for nine. That alley this week was fire. I thought that that felt like the one that grabs the attention. I was like, yeah. come on now, someone has to. 
Sign him, man. 39 hits in 50 innings is hilarious. That's so good. Uh, yeah, but uh, last one I got for the week. One or more teams ends the week with an eight-plus game win streak. There are several four-plus win streaks now. There are some of these teams that have weaker schedules. I think it could be done. I don't know if it will be, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. That's going to be my one. I, I like to say that there could be an eight-plus game win streak. Okay, I'm going to need one second to see who's close. High Point has the chance to do it. I don't think High Point will do it because that requires a Gastonia sweep. And then by the end of the week, to have that streak still alive, then you sweep again. Yeah. Um. So, no. Hey, the American Association, what do we got? You've got, no, I don't want to see one division. We do win point streak. Okay. Um, it would have to be Lincoln. No, it could be Lin- uh, Fargo as well. Because keep in mind, there's going to probably be five to six games played this week over there. So anyone with two or more game win streak. Yeah, I'm not even looking at the two teams in that league, though. Uh, Lincoln? Oh, God, where's Lincoln going? Um, now this is turning to a whole thing. Man, you started this. This is a whole, much bigger headache. Uh, <laughs> wish I knew this one. That's why I didn't list teams specifically. Schedule jumping. All right, uh, Lincoln. Who they got? Sioux Falls. Uh oh. Winnipeg. Yeah, Lincoln will be on it. Got yeah. it. Lincoln's going to rack up a wild win streak. Um, they've been playing well. They've been beating bad teams. They got bad teams on schedule. I told um, you. That's a hot take. Uh, Lincoln extends, extends, I think, to at least what eleven games. Yeah. New got, Jersey, we uh, went over two. All you got if you get past the Boulders, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Who, who do they have after the Boulders again? Lake Erie. I just saw it. Crushers. I think they do drop one of those. I mean, they could, but at the same time, though, how much better is Lake Erie to Windy City? I know, but they did drop one to Windy City. And they weren't playing their starters, though. I know, I know. And they're going to have some rest this weekend. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Jesus. I I mean, the only thing is that last game of the series, that last Wednesday game, that's concerning. I think there's a shot because they're at home and they're built for that place. I think they might. Yeah, I think you're you're on that one. Yeah. Oh wait. Well, yeah. It's a, I forgot about the home one. Plus, mm-hmm. then they're just going up to Albany. That's only like a, that's only a two and a half hour ride, so you don't really have to worry about resting anybody. Fargo, by the way, Sioux City, and then Cleburne. They have two wins now. They could take advantage of that. Yeah, they might be able. I don't know if they're going to be able to get off the bus and just swipe one off Cleburne like that, but they do have an off day. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, there's got there's teams out there that could do it. This is more interesting than I thought. I was like, God, what are you talking about, man? Game win streaks are hard. I'm like, Ooh, well, hold on. <laughs> exactly. I told you. I told you. It's one of those ones where at first it's like, oh, that's a blaring hot take. But then the more you look at it, like, oh. And the hot teams are playing a lot of down teams right now, too. That, that was the two points I had written down here. Several four-plus game win streaks. And then there's weak schedules on top of that. All right. And here, here's mine. How many do you think Missoula will take this week? Who are they playing? I'm pulling that right now. We got... I need who they're playing and where. Yeah, hold on, hold on. I've got it for you. Let me see. There we go. All right. They've got three against Idaho Falls again. Okay, so they should beat them one, three. All those by seven games. And then three at Great Falls. Mm-hmm. I could, I could really yeah. see a five in one week. I know, dude. I know. I, I, um, I, I hesitate to say a clean sweep because six and zero is tough. 
Missoula's built different. They always they're they're a good team. They really are a good team. There's a reason I keep they managed to break through the glass ceiling of Pioneer League teams. So here's what I'll say. So far they've played Great Falls six times and won five. And they have played Idaho Falls just these past three games and they won them all by a touchdown. And where was the Great Falls series again? At Great Falls. Okay, at Great Falls. But I have a sneaking suspicion that might not matter much. Yeah, uh, I don't think it will. I just want to know for bus travel. Yeah, uh, five and five at home, three and twelve on the road, so it does matter. <laughs> I mean, um, really, at that point, two win difference doesn't really. I mean, eh, who's uh, to say? Yeah, I, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna go five and one. I'm gonna go five and one. Yeah. It just it feels like the safe way. I kind of want to say six and zero oh, because I could really see it. But like I, I just feel five and one. I think they drop one in there somewhere. Getting guys signed, and that just means like anytime you're getting guys signed, it could cause a hole somewhere, even for a day. I don't know. Yeah. Don't so. know. Uh, any case, that that's the crystal ball for you. Going to the, some props real quick. Uh, yep. Last week, the under hit for both of them. I took the over on both of them. So good thing we don't put money down over here because I've seen it would be a tough scene. Uh, this week we got some fun ones. I mentioned earlier, we're going to mention New Jersey home runs again. Here's where it is. Uh, New Jersey hits 11 and a half home runs over under. Over. 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 For sure. All right. They average one and a half, about 1.8 home runs a game. Yeah. But I mean, I'm trying to look like. Oh, boy. <laughs> home or away, it doesn't matter with the boulders. They'll hit home it runs. Does not. It does not matter much. Um, it really comes down to that tri-city end of the week. <laughs> Yeah, um, let me see. Uh, they got uh, first. They got two into the boulders. The boulders give up some some homers. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Plus the porches don't help, don't help much either. Lake Erie and Tri City. Um, Tri City's middle of the road. Lake Erie doesn't give up many home runs. Ah! Shoot, actually, it's again tougher than I think. Yeah, see, I'm good at Lake these. Erie's bottom four in the league when it comes to home runs allowed, but that's also because they play in that weird ballpark. Um, yeah. Then by that view, it's a location thing, in my opinion. But um, and they're good. I'm sorry, that, that was kind of shady to Lake Erie. No, they have a good pitching staff. I shouldn't have said that. Disrespecting uh, Jared Lemieux and the boys. Honestly, man, they yeah, they're good. Um, what eight point two hits per nine out of them? It's nice. Oh shoot! You know, Over under. I know. So this is what six total games. Believe right? so. Okay. Um, go until Thursday. Thursday's the last day on it. Six, yeah. So it's six total games. Uh, will they average two? Damn, dude. But in the end, it is. I'm still. It, while the numbers don't necessarily bear it out, I still just believe they're going to hit them in that ballpark. <laughs> See, I'm. I'm in the same boat because the problem is I picked too good of a number. Because yeah. one more home run, you take the under all day. One less, you take the over. Yeah, you're right there. I feel like we can't have under hit on both of them again for both weeks. I'll take the over because I I saw Lake Erie give up a home run to a dude hitting 176. Yeah. You don't uh, give up home runs to 176 hitters. So now, I might have a wrench coming here though. Yeah. Well, I'm checking math here. Oops. All right, one more time. All right. Four games, they average less than two home runs a game against Empire State. Fair. I know, including three in the last two games. 
which is not a way. And they scored 23 runs. I mean, they're finding ways to score. <laughs> that's for sure. But you figure they had more pitch hit than usual. Oh, no. I might be convincing myself on it. And I'm going to feel so stupid. No, it's over. I'm going over. Lock it in. Over. Locks it over. Okay, so we're both going over. All right. The other one for the week, uh, Long Island. We're going to have some fun with this because we always mention that they just find ways to sign major leaguers. They have 13 on their roster, mind you. Yep. Um, more they have more major leaguers than they have non-major leaguers. So I mean, they had a whole lineup of major leaguers there tonight. I think first time they did that. Yeah, it certainly was. So Long Island signs two and a half guys of major league experience this week. Over under. Mm, I'm gonna say under. See, that's you want to say under because it would make sense. Like they're not gonna sign three former major league guys this week. Here's my here's my logic. I'm going under because I don't think there's an oh, okay. There's there's three layers to this. I'm gonna rip through them real quick. Yeah. Layer one says I don't think there's many spots that they can continue to fill with major league talent. It would basically have to be pitchers. Because other guys with four major league experience are not going to sign up with an Atlantic team where they're not guaranteed the playing time. Um, on the flip side of that, I also think they are got to be pushing it on budget. On the flip side of that, I don't suspect that, and I'll just say it now because I ain't in the league, I don't suspect for a second that Long Island plays the budget game normally and straight up. I say what I want. I might get a DM about that that's pissed off, but I'm just going to say it. That's one of the teams in this league where I'm like, mm, fascinating. So that what you're saying is it's a Barbosa team where – the rules are more or less guidelines and rules. I'm saying that it's only Atlantic League to enforce, but the Atlantic League doesn't enforce rules. Well, to the same be way. fair, the Atlantic League is uh, Frank Bolton, and Frank Bolton is the Long Island Ducks. So Frank Bolton really wants a championship. I'd figure at this point. I mean, he just got one like three years ago. Hey, man, it's been a rough three years. <laughs> they missed the postseason last year. You don't understand the struggle, bro. And then. They did not like that Lexington team that beat them, too. So they were already pissed. Oh, uh, God. And then didn't they lose to Pete the one year? I'm not sure if it was the year right before the pandemic or the year before that. But they, I know they lost to Pete either 18 or 19. Lost to Pete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Sugarland. Yeah, I think it was 18. Yeah. Because I remember that. Cause they, oh, yeah, because 19 Pete got suspended. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. got pissed about that. Classic. I should have asked him about uh, that. God. But What a uh, shame. It was a glorious. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I'm going to take the over on it. We're going to over on both of them. Why? Because Long Island does Long Island things. They find guys to sign. I won't be shocked if I wake up tomorrow and I see a Michael Pfaff tweet where, like, we've sold the contract of, like, Ruben Tejada to the Angels and, like, one other random dude. Just, like, I don't know. Like, Joe DiCarlo to, like... The neat palm ham fighters, and we've wound up signing like I, I don't even know some random best. We signed Yasiel Puig or something like that. I would well, be shocked. And that's part of it is I'm always. It, it does take a couple days to get those contract purchases to like sort of come together, and that gives them. That's why like you'll see them do one of those, and they'll have right away their next guy up. Yeah. And, and I think they do a good job of like knowing like okay something's coming, and like they are really talented at tapping into their connections, find the right people. So. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think, you know, if if it is, if they do have signings, if they, well, really ask the question, are they going to have two signings? Because if they have two signings, they, what would you say, two and a half, bro? I don't okay. think they sign major leaguers. That's the thing. Three what? is the number. At one and a half, this would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Have... Yep. Yeah, at one and a half, I think it's close. I still would probably take the under, though. See, it's Long Island, though. That's the thing. I hate counting them out. Especially, it's I... Long Island 
going into the second half. Yeah, and um, they're currently right. still in a fight here. They're one game back of a struggling York team and a Southern Maryland team that I they they're sus as hell. Yeah, I I'm with you there. Uh, like that's blood in the water for Long Island. It is yeah, almost like is it more likely that I don't know. I don't know. Going into yeah, and this would be the week to do it. I don't know. No, I still don't think so, man. It's so hard. I'm trying to talk <laughs> you into this. No, I'm not going for it. I'm not going for it. Two and a half. And I'm still not going for it. One and a half. Or if an arm goes down, arm goes down, they're going to go out and get another arm. But arm goes down, they're going to need a couple of days to find another arm. It's not like a player signing, like a contract purchase, where they already got one in the works, maybe. True, but let's say the arm goes down this weekend. They'll have him by Wednesday. I'm not, dude, I'm not betting on this. I've been in one of those offices. I'm, I'm very confident. Two and a half, I think, is way high. I think, not, I mean, way high is dramatic. I think they, I wouldn't, I would almost bet they could sign one, which is still ridiculous. <laughs> When they sign three of them, I'm tagging you in the announcement. That's fine. Either way, I will say, and I'm critical of Long Island when I'm critical of Long Island, but at the same time, I'll also tell you, I think they have the best, you know, signing a player pipeline infrastructure of any team. Oh, yeah. They're, they're... It's ridiculous. And which isn't a bold take. I get that. They have 13 major leaders, but boy, it just, it just needs to be acknowledged. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just they're good at what they do. They've done it for so long that that's all I got. That's all the segments. That's everything. Last week, it oh. took 48 minutes. This week, it took an extra hour. But that's to be expected. And the content's better, so it's okay. I think we were focused, more focused. Absolutely. And, you know, we worked out the tech issues, and really, we found out the issue is the phone. Yeah. Which and the is, more important thing is, it's you. That's <laughs> always me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. You know, just for that, I'm going to go explore the Titanic. Fair. That's, you know... I need a Mad Cat's controller. Business industry there. There's an open open market. Yeah, right. But, all right. So I think we'll just close it out here. I think that's a yep. good place to close it out. So, um, drop plugs real quick so that way we can get out of here. Oh, Anyball Nation on YouTube, which I will be posting the part of the previous podcast I did on here uh, that was on the cutting room floor and then strapped back together by you so kindly. Yep. That'll be on there. Uh, I'll go with it. Tonight or tomorrow, I don't know. I'll kind of feel it out just how it seems like the best time to drop it. Um, but yeah, that's a way to rock. So that'll be fun and a disaster if you just listen to this and you're like, I need more. Uh, Hell, I'll and, probably toss you the last 10 minutes of this. Yeah, right? <laughs> It'll fit uh, right in. Indieball Nation on Twitter and on Instagram, man. That's the fire it out there and you'll you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, Rip. Indieball Pod, Twitter, Indieball Report everywhere else pretty much indieballreport.com got show notes and stuff go there check it out done these plugs like 200 plus times so y'all know by now so uh, rate review subscribe you know the deal so until next time don't forget to play ball play ball